wants to do in our presence tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, the Lord gave me a statement um, a few uh, a few months ago, and he, he spoke this to my heart, and he said, the most important thing is for the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. You know, just if you, th- if you take weight to that thought, the most important thing is for the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. And then he broke it down to this. He said, the most important thing is for the will of God to be accomplished in this, ser- in this service. And so looking at each service, each moment, every day of your life as a day of purpose. That today is a day of purpose. So there's an assignment on this service. So, so, so when, as you're in ministry and you're training your people or you're teaching your leadership, realize that with every service, there's an assignment. So because you're here tonight, there's an assignment. Because you're here tonight, not only is there an assignment, but you have a supply for that assignment. You know, Paul said, I know this will turn through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit. So, so that means it was something that they would have and it was something that they would supply that would bring about change in the apostle's life. So we have to realize that Dr. Savell is our apostle, right? And so, and so as we pray over him tonight, and we're, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves in agreement and alignment for the assignment, not just for him, but for this service to be accomplished. I don't know about you, but every service I go into, not whether I'm ministering or whether I'm receiving, I want to know that it, it added to my assignment and it caused my assignment to be strengthened, right? That's what we're all out for, right? That's why you're here this weekend as ministers, right? Hallelujah. So let's, let's pray over our nation and we're going to pray over uh, Dr. Savell. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we as a church lift our, up our nation to you today. Thank you, Father, that we can be a constant voice in the heavenly realm. We pray prayers of faith today that you can work with to bring about great changes in the political scene of this nation. We declare in the mighty name of Jesus, mighty is the Lord who is the victor for the destiny of this nation. We have asked for this nation, Lord, as as our inheritance, according to Psalms 2. You are the prince in peace in this nation. You are the Lord of the harvest, and you will reap your declared will in this nation. We declare that foundations are shifting and shaking in this nation. We, the church, are your instrument to execute judgment and righteousness over the works of darkness. Now, as we pray in the Holy Ghost, in our heavenly language, we are praying the perfect will of God. And we thank you that it causes you to move. It causes your perfect will to be established in this nation, in our present, in every form, in Jesus' name. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Rabaya, Ikor Ramandele Nisho Robogot 
Terabaya, Ikor Ramandeleme Isho Korabaya. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your will being done in this nation. Hallelujah. Thank you that this nation is a righteous nation. This nation is a holy nation. This nation is awakening to a move of God, is awakening to this the, the assignment that is on this nation's destiny. We thank you for it. We add our agreement to that, and we thank you for your will being done. Hallelujah. Let's rejoice. Let's rejoice in the completed destiny of this nation. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, Father. We pray over Dr. Savell to you. We pray over Dr. Savell tonight and Miss Carolyn, and we thank you that you are taking care of all the personal aspects of their life. We declare that they are blessed in their marriage. They are blessed in their family, not life. Their children are blessed and their grandchildren are blessed. We thank you for all the revelations that must come to him from you at this time for the body of Christ. Hallelujah. We declare that he is delivered from wicked and evil men. We declare that he is always in the right place at the right time. We declare that no weapon formed against him or Miss Carolyn shall prosper in any way. We declare that they are healed in their bodies. We declare that they're prospering us beyond all their wildest dreams. Thank you, Father. They're walking in the extraordinary. They're walking in the prophetic word. Hallelujah. They're walking in the seeing and the knowing. And we thank you that they are experiencing great victories. Great victories. And Father, we are grateful, Father, because we are increased because of our association with them. Hallelujah. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost over them. Hallelujah. As we pray in the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, we're praying out pathways for them. Hallelujah, pathways for them, doors opening up for them. Hallelujah, great things taking place. Hallelujah, in every area of their ministry. Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you that you're manifesting great things in their lives. Great things in their lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's make a shift and, and let's pray in the spirit over this service tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you that everything you've ordained for this service. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are praying it out. Hallelujah. What Dr. Israel has prayed over this service, we hook up with him. We hook up with his prayers. Hallelujah. We hook up with his prayers. Hallelujah. He has already sought your face. He has already received direction. So we hook up with him and we add our agreement, Father. We add our agreement to his, to his prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And a hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. When this service ends, hallelujah, your perfect will would have had been accomplished. So we rejoice in that. We rejoice in that in Jesus. Name, give him a shout of praise, amen. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Father. Hallelujah! Say this with me the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah! Say it again the joy of the Lord 
is my strength. Amen. Play the video, Kelly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 2019 H3May Ministers Conference. On behalf of Dr. and Mrs. Savelle and Pastors Justin and Annette Bridges, we are so blessed that you'll be joining us this week. We believe that these two days will present divine revelation straight from heaven. We believe that you will leave here refreshed and empowered to accomplish all that God has for you. Now, stay tuned for some important information. When you registered, you received a welcome folder. In this folder, you will find a number of items, including your renewal forms. This year, we are providing you with two ways of completing your renewal. One, you may fill out these forms and turn them back into our registration table before you leave. Or two, you can go to the link on this card and complete the form online. Renewal forms are due by December 31st in order to avoid an additional renewal fee. During this year's Minister's Conference, make sure to check out the awesome product that we have available, especially for you. If you want to add to your library, we have individual sale items as well as bundled items. There are three Minister's Manuals available for a bundled price of $75, normally $30 each. We encourage you to go home with these items that will prove extremely useful for discipleship training and help you to continue to fuel your faith throughout the year. These are also great resources to use to develop your people and will allow you to learn alongside them. Also available are the Prosperity and Success Manuals Volume 1 and 2 for $70 and 13 mini books to choose from. Feel free to mix and match. If you buy 10, you get one free. Don't miss out on these special offers. My life has been filled with extraordinary things. And everyone that is participating here will experience that same manifestation of the anointing creating more and greater in-depth extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of God. Not only in their ministries, but in their personal lives as well. Extraordinary financial blessings. Extraordinary manifestations of favor in the name of Jesus. Extraordinary manifestations of healings and miracles and deliverances in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Receive it. day forward is going to be filled with extraordinary things. Come on, let's lift up a shout!
You know, when I, when I sing that song and it's a full of a place, people praising Jesus, and he says, your mighty works are all I see. I see a bunch of mighty works out here. And yeah, amen. Say, I'm a mighty work of God. Hallelujah. of God. 
say that tonight? Praise God. You know, that song could be my anthem all my life. In fact, every time I, I hear it, tears come to my eyes. All my life, you've been so, so faithful. You've been so, so good to me. That's the story of my life. Fifty years and God's never disappointed me. Never let me down. We don't know anything about unanswered prayer. Hallelujah. I don't know why I'm his favorite child. I just am. Hallelujah. But you do come a close second. Hallelujah. Amen. Lift your hands and say, Lord, all my life, you've been so faithful. And all my life, you've been so, so good. And I praise you now. And I'll praise you forevermore. You're the faithful God. You're the extraordinary God. You're the God of surprises. And I expect to receive extraordinary things from this day forward. And I'm giving you praise in advance for it. Well, go ahead and do it. Hallelujah. Amen. your father. Tony, I I need this up here for now. Just right right there. Be fine. All right. Thank you. We'll put it back down later. Praise God. Everybody had a great day today? I'm sorry I missed this afternoon's service, but Keith and I had to talk airplanes. Glory to God. Oh, yeah, I heard. Carolyn told me it was outstanding. And I want to thank the pastors who shared. Praise God. And uh, I I know all of you enjoyed it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. All right. Tonight we have our ordination service for those that uh, have been licensed with us for at least a year. And they are now ready to receive ordination. Then they're possibly some that have already been ordained and they have chosen to hook up with this ministry, join this ministry, and we want to acknowledge and recognize their ordination. But um, before I ask them to come, well, no, I'm going to ask them to go ahead and come. So, uh, Justin, would you call their names out and just come and stand in front of me, face me? Yes. Uh, Joe and Dee Levine, Michael Riggs, Jeff Willis. And this goes for your... Spouses as well, okay. Phelan, Sarah Ferguson, Dan Holy, David and Lori Stroman, Levy and Jenny, Ronnie Biggs, Tito Ortega, and Tracy Jenkins. Hallelujah. Let's give them a good hand, praise God. Amen. Glory to God. My goodness. You look good. Praise God. Joe, good to see you, man. Hallelujah. I want to read from Acts chapter uh, 13 for just a moment here, and then I have some things I want to share with you. Verse 1, now there were in the church, there was at Antioch, Antioch rather, 
certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon and so forth. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and then they sent them away. So ordination uh, is a biblical process for which an individual is set apart. And it's most effective when it's done publicly, and particularly in the presence of the people that you might be ministering to in the days ahead. So it's also not only being set apart, but it's also you consecrating yourself unto the service of the Lord. And you're making a pledge to him that you will be obedient to him, you'll serve him all the days of your life, and you'll give it your absolute best to fulfill everything he has called you to do. Amen. You have reached a place in your life where you are now ready to proclaim publicly that you have totally surrendered your life to Christ and that from this day forward, you are prepared to be obedient to all that he's called you to do and that you are in service for him. And from this day forward, you need to recognize that your life is no longer your own. It belongs to Him. And that's not a bad place to be in, praise God. Amen. Don't allow anyone to convince you that you are to walk away from this calling. Don't allow anything, not obstacles, not adversity, challenges, to get you to back down from your commitment that you've made to God. That commitment is very serious to Him. It should be serious to you. I take it very seriously or I wouldn't lay hands on you. I believe you've made the decision that you are going to serve God for the rest of your life and you're going to do all that he's called you to do. The Bible says, lay hands on no man suddenly. And so the reason for waiting a year after being licensed is to give us an opportunity to observe your life, your ministry. And once that is satisfactory, then you are a candidate for ordination, the setting a part of your life. In the eyes of God, you are now a gift to the body of Christ. And that is to be taken very seriously. Amen. You are a gift to the body of Christ. Your job is to preach the word, be instant in season and out. Your job is to be faithful to God and to be an example of a godly and a holy life. Amen. Because from this day forward, even though it's already been this way, but from this day forward, because you have accepted the call and you're publicly announcing that I am set apart as of this night, then you are saying that you fully intend to live a life that is pleasing to Him. Amen. Now, thank God, from time to time we make mistakes, but we have an advocate with the Father even the righteous Jesus Christ. Be quick to repent if you make a mistake. Don't carry it around a long time. In fact, before you close your eyes at night, if you know you've made a mistake, repent. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Amen? And so, it's an honor tonight to lay hands upon you and to officially set you apart into the ministry that God has called you to. So, everybody in the audience, if you would, please stand and stretch your hands out toward them. And Carolyn, if you would come and join me, and you and I are going to lay hands on them, we'll just start right down here. 
And uh, you just stretch your hands out toward them and pray in the spirit, if you will, because you're adding your agreement to this. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we officially set our brothers and sisters apart tonight in whom you have called and chosen and for the rest of their lives they belong to you and to your service and we acknowledge that we recognize it and we officially set them apart to the ministry that you've called them to and we believe this very night special anointings endowments and endowments from the Holy Ghost will come upon them and their lives will never be the same in the name of Jesus I set my hands upon you as a servant of the Most High, setting you apart and consecrating you to the service of the Lord Jesus. May the anointing of God continually increase on your life and ministry in Jesus' name. I officially lay my hands upon you and set you apart into the ministry that God has called you to. And I believe that there are special anointings and endowments that are coming upon you right now, and your life will never be the same. In the name of Jesus, I lay my hands upon you and officially set you apart and consecrate you unto the service of the Lord. And may every gifting, every anointing, every endowment from the Holy Ghost that is required to fulfill the call on your life, may they come upon you right now, and your life never be the same. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I lay my hands upon them and officially set them apart to the office of ministry that you've called them to. And as a corporate body, we set ourselves in agreement that from this night forward, their lives will never be the same and they will be gifts of God to be used for his service in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I set my hands upon my brother and I officially set him apart and consecrate him and his life to the Lord and to his service. And in the name of Jesus, may every gifting that is required and necessary to fulfill this call be upon him right now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to set her apart unto the calling and to the office of ministry that you have chosen her to function in. And may every anointing and gifting for that office come upon her this very night and her life never be the same. In the name of Jesus, I officially lay my hands upon you, set you apart, and consecrate you to the service of the Lord and the call of God upon your life. You shall fulfill it to the letter. Every jot, every tittle, everything he wants you to do will be done and will be done in a very anointed way and bring him great glory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I officially lay my hands upon you, set you apart unto the office that God has called you to, and may every anointing and gifting and endowment that is required to fulfill this calling come upon you right now, rest upon you all the days of your life. And in the name of Jesus, I decree your life will never be the same. 
in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the anointing of God that is upon her now. And may it increase after this night. And I officially set her apart and consecrate her unto the service of the Lord Jesus. And I give you praise that all that you have called her to do shall be fulfilled and done so in a manner that will bring great glory to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I set you apart this very night, consecrate you to the service of the Lord Jesus, and may this day forward, from this day forward, every anointing, gifting, and endowment from the Holy Spirit rest upon you, and you not only know it, but those around you will recognize that you are not the same man nor woman in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I lay my hands upon my brother, of whom I've known for many years, and I appreciate his faithfulness to the call of God on his life. And now I officially set him apart and consecrate his life to the Lord and to his service. And I believe as of this very moment, the anointing of God is increasing on him. And when he stands behind his own pulpit, he will know for surety that his life is forever changed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Let's all give the Lord a good shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. And with all of you guys, turn around and face the audience and give them a good welcome. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Who's got a camera? I want to get in the middle of this bunch. Let's all huddle up here together. This is a memorable night. Praise God. Amen. All right. Somebody got a camera? They can do this. Hallelujah. All right. Everybody ready? Look this way. Carolyn, you here? Come on. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I still have the photo of Kenneth Copeland and Harold Nichols laying hands on me, setting me apart. Praise God. Right here. Okay. Everybody look. This lady right here in the middle. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. And tonight, they become Satan's worst nightmare. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. All right. Bless you, sir. Amen. I love you, man. Yeah, we can put this back down now. Go ahead and keep standing, if you will, and just worship the Lord for a, a few more moments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand up if you will. you are. 
thank you for them. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Acts chapter 19, verse 11, we read this morning. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were wrought unto the sick, or brought unto the sick, handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Tonight I'm carrying in my pocket prayer clothes. And I have one especially for Natasha. Would you come here for a moment? I don't know that I have enough for everybody in here, but at the end of the service, I'm going to carry, I'm going to carry them around while I preach. And I believe the anointing on me will go into those claws, just like they did the Apostle Paul. And then I'm going to lay them on the platform and you can come get them if you need them, want them, and expect the same results. Joe and I have done this all over the world. And we've had outstanding miracles take place. Amen. Now, this sweet lady is believing for a miracle. She needs a miracle. Nothing less than a miracle will help. And it's a miracle that she even got here. You know? And uh, I'm going to carry this around. And I, I had Carolyn to write on it, Acts 19, 12, which we just read. And then when I get through preaching, I'm going to put it in your hand. And I want you to carry it back home with you. And keep it on you somewhere. And I'm believing, praise God. Because God's no respecter of persons. If he's done it for one, why wouldn't he do it for all? Hallelujah. So, Carolyn and I are standing in agreement with you. And, of course, we know the family is standing in agreement with you. And um, you're too young to go. Amen. God promises he will satisfy us with long life. And every name that is named is beneath the name of Jesus. So, I decree in Jesus' name... Stage four cancer is beneath the name of Jesus. And it must bow to his preeminence in Jesus' name. Would you agree with that? Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to give this to you when I get through preaching because I'm going to carry it around with me. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, I didn't do that to embarrass her in any way. I hope I didn't. But I just think it's important. That we as ministers of the gospel set ourselves in agreement with those that are believing for extraordinary miracles in their life. Our theme this week has been going for the extraordinary, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh my, the anointing is already strong. Praise God. Glory to God. Well, hallelujah. Tony, I feel like running. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. I feel so much better now. Praise God. Amen. Tony's been my surrogate runner for many years now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. My, my, my. Where's my man Vic? My, 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 Vic. <laughs> hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I was impressed to the Lord as I was preparing for this meeting a few days ago. I knew, I knew that uh, my theme would be going for the extraordinary. And, of course, I prepared for those and preached those in these services up to now. But I, I kind of sensed in my spirit that God wanted me to take it a little bit different direction tonight, even though it certainly does pertain to going for the extraordinary. And this is something I learned from Oral Roberts many years ago. And I'm going to give you what he gave me in 10 keys to breakthroughs. 10 keys to breakthroughs. Now, as I, as I was looking over these from my notes from years back when Brother Roberts first shared this with me, as I looked at him, I thought, well, just one of these keys will put you in position for breakthrough. You don't have to do all 10, just one of them, <laughs> praise God. But I want to give you all 10 just as he gave them to me. And um, I believe they'll be of great benefit to you, praise God. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles, first of all, to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And if you're taking notes, and I strongly suggest you do, or at least invest in, in the uh, audio part of it. When we get through, something you can take home with you, listen to it often, praise God. Number one, settle this fact in your heart and mind. You can't go under for going over. You can overcome anything Satan throws at you. That's exactly the way he said it. Settle this fact in your heart and mind. You can't go under for going over. Now, the way he received that, some of you might remember this, back in the early 50s, old Robert set up the big tent in Amarillo, Texas. And during that great healing campaign, there was a tornado came through Amarillo and absolutely destroyed that tent. And uh, the people were under the tent at the time that Brother Roberts was preaching. And that tornado swept through there and lifted that tent completely off the ground and demolished it. And people were running everywhere. And I believe he said that when it was all over with, the next morning the Amarillo newspaper said uh, a great miracle took place in Amarillo last night. There was not one person killed. There was only a couple people that had minor injuries that went to hospital and they were released almost immediately. Minor injuries. And Orals Robert said when he went out there the next day to look at the damage, and it was just devastation. 
And when he walked around and saw that tent, he told his crusade uh, manager, Bob DeWeese, or his associate minister, Bob DeWeese, he said, my ministry has really just got started, and it looks like it's just now ended. And he didn't know what he was going to do. And so he got back, uh, he was on his, get, about to get in his car and go back to the hotel or wherever he was staying. And there was a guy pulled up in an automobile that was uh, from uh, Western Union and said, where's Oral Roberts? I have a telegram for him. And he handed him the telegram and it was a partner of his in California, I believe it was. And it said on there, Brother Roberts, I saw on the news last night about the tornado coming through and destroying your tent. And then he wrote these words, Oral, you can't go under for going over. And he said that became a major tent meeting message. I have a copy of it, praise God. You can't go under for going over. And he said just those words were so encouraging to him that he then ordered another tent and believed God to pay for it, paid cash for it, and it became the largest tent at that time ever made. And it held twice as many people as the one that was destroyed. What a great lesson. You can't go under for going over. Say that with me. I can't go under for going over. Say it again. I can't go under for going over. This time say it with a little spunk behind it. I can't go under for going over. Hallelujah. Amen. Now that's basically what the Apostle Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now notice it does not say we are troubled on every side, period. We are perplexed, period. We are persecuted, period. We are cast down, period. Blessed be his holy name. Now that's the way the religious mind reads it. They forget the yets and the buts. And the Lord told me a long, long time ago, don't overlook the buts in the Bible because they change the scenery. <laughs> they change everything. Amen. The Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And religious people will stop right there and say, yes, amen. I'm scriptural. I'm afflicted. But the next words, but many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. That changes everything. Doesn't it change the scenery? Praise God. Uh, a man challenged me one time in the early days of my ministry. I'm preaching on, you know, living in victory. Praise God. I thought every Christian wanted to hear about living in victory, but no, some don't. Some of them will fight for the right to tribulate. <laughs> Amen. And this church I'm preaching, and it's in the early days, a little Pentecostal church in Shreveport on the backside of the tracks. They asked me to come on a Wednesday night because there wouldn't be many people there and I couldn't do much damage. And uh, so the pastor turned the service over to me and everybody's sitting mostly in the back. Nobody's sitting up front. 
And I thought that was a little strange, and it was just a little small church, just a handful of people. So I started preaching right out of this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I, I didn't leave out the buts and the yets. I read it the way Paul said it. And there was a man stood up in the back of the building and challenged me. I didn't know you were allowed to do that. I mean, I've never been to the seminary. I came out of a paint body shop. I don't know anything about this. And he stood up and challenged me. And he said, I'll tell you one thing, young fella. Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation. And everybody on the back row said, yes, amen. And the pastor said, uh-huh. <laughs> I turned to the pastor and I said, is he allowed to do that? And he wouldn't answer me. And I said, well, sir, so far... Everything I've said, I've given scripture and verse. Where'd you find that? Well, I don't know, but I know it says it. Yes, amen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, well, sir, I've endeavored to give you scripture and verse and everything I've said. Uh, that's not acceptable. Not only that, you're not quoting Jesus properly. So tell me where that's at. Open your Bible and show me. He said, I didn't bring a Bible. I said, well, any of your amen buddies back there got a Bible? No, none of them. I said, Pastor, you got a Bible? He didn't even have a Bible. I said, well, I have a Bible, and let me show you where you're referring to, but it doesn't say that. And I handed him my Bible. I had him, oh, he, was, he had fire in his eyes, boy. If he'd have had rocks, he'd have stoned me right there. And I handed him my Bible, and I said, now read that. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation. I said, don't you stop. He closed the Bible. Was was about to stop. I said, no, you didn't quote Jesus. In the world you shall have tribulation. And he closed it again. I said, no, sir. You can't do that. I said, what's the next word? But. I said, did you say but? Yes, but. I said, sir, I'm not an English scholar, but I did learn Many years ago when I was in school, that but is a conjunction, and it means he's not through talking, thou shalt not stop reading. (laughs) So read the rest of it. In the world you shall have tribulation, but, I said, but what? But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I said, that changes everything, sir. And needless to say, I never got invited back. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. I found out real quick. That not all Christians uh, want to live in victory. Amen. Some of them will fight for their traditions. Traditions to be sick. Traditions to go broke. Traditions to be in bondage. And like one guy referred to me, you little whippersnapper, you're not going to come change us. I don't know what a whippersnapper is, but I was one that night. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Settle this fact in your heart and in your mind. You can't go under for going over. You can overcome anything that Satan throws at you. Why? Because we have this promise right here from God. Yes, I'm not denying trouble. I have trouble, just like you have trouble. If you're still on this planet, you experience trouble from time to time. Like the time I was at uh, ORU preaching with Brother Roberts. And uh, he said, no, Jerry, I'm going to preach first, then you're going to close it out, and then you pray for the people. I said, okay. And so he preached first, and then he sat down and turned it over to me, and I'm preaching, 
And uh, I got ready to pray for the people. Had a prayer line. There's a couple hundred people in the prayer line. They're at the Maybe Center at ORU campus. And I'm going down the road praying for people. And when I got in front of this one guy, he said this. I want you to pray that I never have another challenge, never have another trial, and never go through any adversity again. I said, okay. So I laid my hands on him. I said, Lord, let this man die. He said, I don't want to die. I said, well, sir, that's what you asked me to pray. No, I ask you to pray that I'll never have another challenge, never have another adversity. I said, well, sir, that's what I prayed. The only way I know that you would never have another challenge Another adversity is you have to die and leave the planet. Well, I don't want to die. I said, Lord, let him live. (laughs) I said, but teach him how to take his faith and overcome the world. Hallelujah. Amen. We all have trouble from time to time. I'm not denying trouble, but I am denying that it bring distress. I'm troubled on every side, but I'm not distressed. I get perplexed from time to time, meaning I don't know what to do, but he does. I said he does. Just because I don't know what to do, that doesn't mean the end, ship your saddle home. Amen. I might not know what to do, but I'm not perplexed. I'm not in despair. I get persecuted. You know, it's amazing. Nobody persecuted me when I didn't have anything. Nobody got no persecution whatsoever. But boy, when, when God began to bless me and God began to prosper me, oh, Jesus, they came out of the woodwork. There's a, there's a guy, and when they started building houses out here, for a long time we were out here by ourselves, but then they started building houses, and there was a guy that would come by in his old pickup, and uh, if he'd see me out in the yard, and maybe I was, I was uh, at this particular time, I had the 61 Corvette, and I had it out in the front yard uh, on the side, and I was washing it and wiping it down. And he, as he rode by, he rolled the window down and said, Hey, preacher, did you steal the offerings to buy that? Then he rolls his window up and drives off. I never got to respond, you know. Now, if it had been an old clunker, barely running on its last leg, he just said, bless your heart, you poor, humble pe- preacher. But no, it was a Corvette, <laughs> a 61 Corvette, a good-looking 61 Corvette. Hallelujah. And he thought immediately I'd stole the offerings to get it. Never occurred to him I sowed cars and God blessed me with cars. <coughs> Amen. Not only that, it never occurred to him that I'm away from my family 22 days out of every month, preaching the Word of God around the world somewhere nearly every night. I think they call that work. Amen? I work. I'm not a lazy preacher. There's few people who can keep up with me. I got young people working in my ministry. They cannot keep up with me. Carolyn says, you take one on the trip with you and bring him home in a few days and let him rest. You keep going. I said, they can't keep up with me. <laughs> Amen. But no, it never occurred to this guy that 
I might have sown for it. I might have sown cars into other people's lives. Or that worked for it, you know. No, he just assumed I stole it. Persecution. But you know, I don't really mind. Because Jesus said that when you start experiencing the hundredfold, it'll come with persecutions. Hey, if I can have the hundredfold, I'll take all the persecution. Because persecution, T.L. Osborne taught me years ago, is nothing more than the ungodly, uh, sense-ruled mind, the only way it has to express that I wish I were you. It's birthed out of jealousy. Amen? But back to our point here, number one, you can't go under for going over. Or Robert said, settle this in your heart and in your mind. You can't go under for going over. The Passion Translation says, says it this way. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. You must have been listening to my tapes. <laughs> we are persecuted by others, but God has never forsaken us. We may get knocked down, but you'll never knock us out. Hallelujah. Amen. I like that. You know, I might get knocked down from time to time, but you're not going to knock me out. Praise God. Why? Because Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. I learned a long time ago, though, the way you can beat the devil, if he knocks you down seven times, all you got to do to beat him is get up eight. Get up one more time. Hallelujah. And, of course, one of my favorite scriptures all these years has been Micah 7, 8. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. Hallelujah. In other words, don't you strike up the band. Don't you start the party because I'm down. No, you just hide and watch. In a little bit, I'll be back up on my feet and going at it again. Praise God. Because quit is not an option. Say it with me. Quitting is not an option. Look at somebody say, and I can't go under. For going over. Number two, dare to believe that breakthroughs belong to you. Dare to believe that breakthroughs belong to you. You know, I, I give a lot of testimonies of breakthroughs. I have every time I have a breakthrough. Uh, most of the time, and I'd say, unless it's somebody around me and knows at that time, most of the time, Nobody knows what I'm going through because I don't talk it. I don't voice it. I don't major on it. I don't focus on it. They'll never know what I'm going through until I've gone through it and won. Then they'll hear me tell the story of the victory. But a lot of people assume, well, he never goes through anything we go through. Your mama. <laughs> I've been through everything. Most everything you've been through. And in my case, I go through some things that you will never go through. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Amen. I mean, Carolyn and I know what it's like not to know where we're going to get money for our next meal. Know what it's like having a scheduled meeting and don't have money to put gas in the car to get there. We know what that's like. That's a long time ago. But we've been there. We know what it's like 
uh, not to have anything to eat that night. We know what it's like when we come over to hear Kenneth Copeland preach at Grace Temple. We still lived in Shreveport. We didn't have money to go out with people after the service. After the service, people don't go to Denny's or not Denny's, but some of those little places they had back then. And they'd all gather up outside and say, hey, let's go have some fellowship. Let's go eat. We couldn't go with them. We didn't have money to eat. And sometimes we just made peanut butter sandwiches or crackers and, and sat in the car and eat. While everybody is going off and fellowship and having fun, eating and all. And we just sat in the car wait for the next service. And really it wasn't that bad because you got the best seats because you're already in the parking lot <laughs> when the next service started. You know, amen. And and I remember one day, Brother Copeland preached, and and uh, and we just barely knew him and Gloria. And after the service, he saw me sitting in the service, and he said, "Jerry, come up here." So I walked up there, and he said, uh, "When did you and Carolyn get here?" And I said, "Well, we've been here all these services since you started." He said, "Well, where are you staying?" Uh, out in the car. Where are you going to have lunch today? In the car. He said, no, won't you go, won't you guys go with me and Gloria? Well, he didn't say, we're buying. I don't want to assume he's buying. I mean, I'd hate to get in there and they bring two checks and I don't have the money to pay for them. And then I'm washing dishes in the kitchen in front of Kenneth Copeland to pay for the meal, you know. He said, no, come on, I'm buying. That's God. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what I was waiting to hear. Praise the Lord. Eh? And we went to, and this is a this this long time ago when Brother Copeland was not so strict with his food. You know, he wasn't dieting back then. And we went to El Chico's. And over on Berry Street, I'll never forget as long as I live. And he said, just get anything you want. Man, we ordered all this Mexican food, and, and we had a blast eating it. And there I'm sitting across from Kenneth Copeland. You know, I'm still living in Shreveport at this time. And, and then he said, uh, what are you guys going to do between services? He said, well, we're going back to the church, just sit in the parking lot, wait for the next service. No, come go home with us. I had to pinch myself to see if I really heard what he said. Come go home with us. We go home with you? Yeah, come on. Follow us. So we, they lived out in Hallmark at the time. And, and uh, we drove over to their house. Went in the house and he showed us around. And he said, no, nah, I, I can't spend any time with you. I got to go get prepared for this service. But you just, you just make yourself at home. He took us into the kitchen and said, you want any more to eat? Here's stuff in the refrigerator. He said, you can sit in my study and uh, uh, just just do make yourself at home. Do whatever you want to do. And then uh, when it's time for the service, I'll come out and we'll all go together. So I went and sat in Kenneth Copeland's chair behind his desk. Glory to God. <laughs> get it all over me, praise God. This is where he sat to get his sermons. Glory to And he had this big study Bible laying out there. And it had wide margins. And it had all his personal notes from all the time he had been meditating and receiving revelation from the Lord. And it's all in there. And I'm writing them down just just as fast as I can. And then he came in there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
I'm stealing his notes. <laughs> and uh, he said, the Lord told me to come out here for a moment that you had some questions you needed answers to right away. So what are they? I said, well, Brother Copeland, for one thing, I was reading from the Apostle Paul about the gifts of the Spirit. And I don't understand all that I've read. I said, um, he said, cherish the best gifts. Well, which one is the best gift? He just kind of chuckled and he said, well, the best gift is the one you need at the time. I thought, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that? The best gift is the one you need at the time. Amen. If you need, if somebody needs a word of knowledge, you don't need the gift of healing. Unless you got to heal their brain before you can give them some knowledge. You know what I mean? He said, it's the one you need at the time. Oh, hallelujah. And then he began to talk to me about the gifts of the Spirit. Spent about an hour with me. And then he went back and started preparing for the service. He came out, and then we all went to the service that night. And he was preaching along there, and then he just stopped. He has a habit of doing this with me. He just stopped. He said, Jerry, stand up. <laughs> he said, prophesy. What? Prophesy. I said, no. He said, why not? I said, no. I might say something wrong. He said, well, I'm here. If you say something wrong, I'll correct you. I said, no, I'm not doing it. He said, the Holy Spirit's working in you right now. And you know exactly what he wants you to say. Now, just speak it out by faith. No. I told him in the sermon, no. Remember that, Carolyn? I said, no. <laughs> and then he explained to the congregation, he said, Jerry uh, is, is, has entered ministry and, and he's learning. And we talked today about the gifts of the Spirit. And the Lord prompted me just a few minutes ago to, to teach him how to flow in it. And he said, now, Jerry, go ahead and say what God is saying to you on the inside. Well, I, did, I didn't necessarily hear something. But you had to release it by faith, you know, and then they would begin to flow. And I looked at him again. I said, no. He said, why not? I said, I might say something wrong. He said, like what? I said, well, I might send somebody to Africa and they die and they should have been in Mexico. He said, God is not going to tell you to send somebody to Africa. You know? I don't know much. I'm, I'm a young baby Christian, you know. And I was afraid somebody would wind up going to Africa, get killed over there, and it would be my fault, you know. And so he said, all right, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it. And any time you want to interrupt and take over, you do it. So he started out. And in the moment he released the first word, I heard it inside me. And I knew what was coming next. I could have repeated it. But I didn't. I was not going to do it. And then he called me up after and he said, did you hear anything I said before I said it? I said every word. He said, I was trying to get you to do act on it. I said, well, next time. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I learned some things that night about the fact that you can't go under for going over. 
Amen. And I appreciated that, that revelation from Brother Roberts many years later. So notice once again. If, number two. Where's my notes? Dare to believe that breakthroughs belong to you. Jesus said in the 14th chapter of John in verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way. Everybody say, the way. That's just another phrase for the God of the breakthrough. In other words, he's the way maker. He makes a way where there is no way. Therefore, he's the God of the breakthrough. David learned this in 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 8 through 11. You know the story without me turning there, but you can make reference to the scriptures. David is in battle, and in the natural, there's no way for them to defeat these armies that have come against him. But God gave him a great victory, and David said, God hath broken upon my enemies like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore, they called the name of that place Bel-Perizim. And if you look in your uh, center reference, most Bibles have the Hebrew meaning for Bel-Perizim, which is the God of the breaking through. So that's when David learned that God was the God of the breakthrough. I had a visitation of the Lord back in a number of years ago in a little town called Liberty, Texas. And the Lord said to me, my people know me as Savior. Many of them know me as baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Some know me as healer and deliverer, but they don't all know me as the God of the breakthrough. And he said, if they did, they wouldn't be so quick to give up. Amen. He said, you go over there tonight to that church and you tell the people the God of the breakthrough wants to visit their house. And I went over there and preached on the God of the breakthrough. And I'm telling you, we had some major breakthroughs. And the pastor, uh, I said, Pastor, I'm flying back home tonight after the service. He said, have you checked out of your room? I said, yeah, but I, 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 I didn't go down the front desk. I just left the key in the room. He said, I'm going over there right now. And I'm going to sleep in the bed you slept in. And I'm hoping the God of the breakthrough will visit me like he did you, praise God. And he went over there and slept in the same bed. And got up and uh, the next day, and then the following day was Sunday. And he said, man, I preached on the God of the breakthrough, took up where you left off, and we had breakthroughs all day Sunday. Hallelujah. Amen. He's the God of the breakthrough. Become persuaded and dare to believe that the God of the breakthrough wants to visit your house, that breakthroughs belong to you. Can you say amen? Are you still listening? Number three. Learn to listen to the voice of God and then do exactly what he says. Learn to listen to the voice of God and do exactly what he says. This is very important when believing for a breakthrough. There's a great example of this in 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 16. Uh, the prophet Elijah was, was at the brook Cherith. And uh, God had commanded the ravens to feed him. And then the brook dried up. And the Lord said, go to Zarephath. And there's a widow woman there who will sustain thee. And notice he needs a breakthrough. But it was important that he hear the voice of God. Can you say amen? amen? A lot of people try to experience breakthrough and they don't have the rhema from God yet. 
And, and nearly every time I've ever experienced a breakthrough, it was because I heard a rhema beforehand and, and was willing to do what God told me to do, and it positioned me for a breakthrough. And so the prophet was told by God, go down uh, to this place called Zarephath. There will be a widow woman there, and she will sustain you. I have commanded her, God said, to sustain thee. When he got down there, he found the woman uh, walking around looking for, for sticks and so forth. And she said, uh, 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 I, I have just enough for my son and I to make a little cake. We're going to eat it and then die. Well, wouldn't you think immediately that maybe the prophet missed God? God said, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. Apparently, God had already spoken to that woman before Elijah got there. But when he got there, she's ready to die. She doesn't have enough for her, him. She's got just enough for her and her son. She's going to eat it and die. And he said, but make me a little cake first. Like he didn't hear her. And the Bible says, and she went and did. And that positioned her for a major breakthrough. You remember the story, amen? Notice how important it is to hear the voice of God when you're believing for a breakthrough. Get the rhema of God and then be quick to obey it. Amen. A number of times when we've needed uh, major financial breakthroughs, the Lord would speak to me about where to sow seed. There's no such thing as a harvest without sowing seed. Amen. And every financial breakthrough I've ever experienced, and I've experienced many, it required the sowing of a seed first. But the part that I needed to hear the most, because I'm willing to sow the seed, I already know that part. I already know that that's, that's, that's monumental to my breakthrough. But where do I sow it? I need to hear God's voice as to where I sow it. Amen? The Bible talks about in Mark chapter 4, that the word was sown and it describes four different types of soil. But only one good ground produced a harvest. I'm sad to say, but some people are not good ground. I don't want to waste my seed. I learned that from Oral Roberts. One day I was with him and he said, Jerry, the Lord spoke to me about redirecting my seed. I said, what do you mean, Brother Roberts? He said, there's some ministries I've been supporting for years, and they, they, they did what they said they was going to do with the seed that I sowed into their ministry. But over a period of time, some of them quit doing what they said they were going to do. They're not living right before God. And the Lord told me I needed to redirect my seed because my seed was going into ground that was not good soil anymore. He said, and I just thought you'd love to hear that. I said, yes, sir. That's a rhema from God. In fact, one time, Joe and I were in Kenya, and uh, I knew Brother Hagen was supporting a ministry over there, and I, I met the pastor that he was supporting, had been supporting for quite some time, and uh, I said, I'd like to go see the church that Brother Hagen helped you build. We got out there in this little village area, and this little old tiny church, I mean, I think you could have built it. You know, with probably less than a couple of thousand dollars. I knew Kenneth Hagin had been sending a lot more money than that over there. 
And then we're driving, you know, out of that little village and going back to where we were staying. And there's this huge house off in the distance. Remember this show? Great big three-story house. A lot of property. I said, who belongs, whose house does that belong to? He said, mine. He said, okay. There's where the money's going. I got home and I asked the Lord, I said, what do you want me to do about that? He said, next time you see Kenneth Hagin, tell him he needs to send a representative over there and see what he's doing. Amen. Amen. And he got a great revelation. I'm going to redirect my seed. Why? Because it was going in ground that was not producing harvest. Amen. So this is important for a breakthrough. If you need a financial breakthrough, I mean, you don't have to have thunder and lightning and a voice out of heaven saying, sow seed. You know to do that. But where do you sow it? It's it's only one type of soul produced a harvest in Mark 4. Good ground. Amen. Good ground. Hallelujah. I like to sow into good ground because then I'm guaranteed a harvest. I'm guaranteed a breakthrough. Are you still here? Are you receiving from this? Now, number four, establish a point of contact to release your faith. If any of you have ever listened to Oral Roberts preach, you know that he was big on the point of contact. Point of contact. That's a reference point to release your faith. I remember back in 1972, Brother Cobra and I went to the Navajo Indian Reservation for the first time. And I've been going back ever since. And uh, the last night of that meeting, he had all these Navajo pastors. And he said, I just want pastors here. And I want to I teach you some things that I've learned. So back in those days, that was my Bible school. I took notes on everything he said. I'm recording all the messages on reel-to-reel tapes back then. And as soon as I'd get home... Uh, I'd, I'd, re, uh, I'd make copies of them, and, and I'd listen to them day and night. And he was teaching these young ministers about how to flow in the anointing. And I'll never forget. Now, he learned this from Oral Roberts when he was serving Oral Roberts. I'll never forget him saying, don't ever lay your hands on somebody until you're ready to release your faith. He learned that from Brother Roberts. Why? Because Brother Roberts said, when you lay your hands on somebody, that's your point of contact. But don't ever do it until you're ready to release your faith. Don't just go around laying hands on everybody. Do it when you're ready to release your faith. And Brother Roberts would say, when your faith is at its highest, when your faith is at its strongest, then lay your hands on them. And he said, that's your reference point. That's when you believe that you receive. Amen. Amen. Because I've established my point of contact. And sometimes that point of contact can be that seed you sowed into somebody. You released it into their life. And that's your point of contact to release your faith for the harvest. Amen. So Brother Roberts was big on establishing a point of contact. Many, many sermons I've listened to, he would bring it up, mention it, and talk about it. In fact, uh, when Brother Copeland was working with him in those tent meetings, 
Brother Copeland was co-pilot on his airplane, but he also drove his car to the meetings and get Brother Roberts back and forth. And then Brother Copeland's job in the tent meetings was Brother Roberts, or Rob DeWeese rather, put Brother Copeland in the invalid tent where it's the, 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 the most uh, difficult, impossible-looking situations. People are crippled. People uh, uh, got incurable, incurable diseases. They can't, they can't make the crowds, so they have their own tent. And, and the last thing, when bro, uh, the first thing Brother Roberts would do after he got through preaching, and back in those days, he preached two hours. And then when he got through preaching, he'd walk into the invalid tent, and Brother Copeland would be in there when Brother Copeland started working for him. And his job, before Oral Roberts got from the big tent to the little tent, Oral, uh, Kenneth Copeland's job was to go over the three main points of Oral Roberts' sermon to make sure the people heard it. And it was about the point of contact. Now, Oral Roberts is going to come in here. He's going to lay his hands on you. And the moment he lays his hands on you, that's when you believe you receive. That's when you begin to praise God for your healing. And then he'd step out of the way and Brother Roberts would come and lay hands on him. And Brother Copeland says, but one time he said, he grabbed me by the shoulder of my coat and pushed me in front of the sickest people I'd ever seen in my life. And he said, you're praying for him tonight. Brother Copeland said, he was a white man, but you've never seen white date like he got that night. <laughs> he said, I almost passed out when Oral Roberts said, you're doing the praying. But he said, thank God I'd learned the importance of the point of contact. I knew not to lay my hands on them till I was ready to release my faith. Amen. That's the reason so many times Joe and I, we've done this all over the world. I thank God for Joe. <laughs> He's been such a blessing to me. Hallelujah. Been my prayer partner. Praise God. Sometimes I'll just, I'll stand and look at people and waiting for the direction of the Lord. I say, Joe, pray in the Holy Ghost. Boy, he, he cuts in. Man, like rapid fire to machine gun. <laughs> He's praying in the Spirit. I'm waiting for the mind of the Lord. And then once I get it, praise God, we go into action. Hallelujah. And God doesn't disappoint us, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We've seen it happen all over the world. Glory to God. So establish a point of contact to release your faith. A great example of it is Mark chapter 5 with a little woman with the issue of blood. She said, if I but touch his clothes, see, that was her point of contact. If I but touch his clothes, I will be made whole. And the Bible says she went through the crowd. And as he was getting ready to go to Jairus' house, she reached up and grabbed his coattail, so to speak. And Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, who touched me? And the Bible says there were thousands of people out there. And the disciples said, Master, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's trying to touch you. He said, and one translation I read that I really loved, it said, Jesus said, no, it wasn't a human kind of touch. It was the touch of faith. Amen. Amen. He said, who did this? A little woman fearing and trembling. Why was she fearing and trembling? She's in the presence of Jesus. Because she knew she was not supposed to be in that crowd. Under Levitical law, they could have stoned her. But she took her own life in her own hands and was determined. If I can touch his clothes, that's my point of contact. 
I will be made whole. She reached out and grabbed those clothes. He said, who touched me? She said, it was I. I said, but if I touch your clothes, I shall be made whole. He said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Hallelujah. Amen. I love that. Praise God. So it's important that you establish a point of contact. And the moment you do, now a lot of times what I do is I date it and the time. I'll write it down on a sheet of paper in my notebook. Sometimes I've written it in the back of my Bible. That's what I did with Terry when her fingers were cut off. I'm just a young Christian. And I took my Bible in that bathroom. And and in the natural, they were never to grow back. Never have nails. And I held my Bible up and said to God, You said your word will not return void. I'm returning your word. Your word says, Mark eleven twenty three. that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I'm saying it. You will restore my baby's fingers. And I wrote the date down on, in that Bible. I put the time and I made my declaration. Of course, I won't go into the long story, but in just a matter of weeks, God had completely, totally restored Terry's fingers. And they were, I mean, when the bandages were removed, praise God, the nails were back, the hand, the fingers were the right length. And today, you can only see a little scar underneath the nail. And the Lord said to me, that's your token of my covenant. Hallelujah. Every time I'd look at her fingers, I'd say, God is not a man that he should lie. Hallelujah. Sometimes I'd go in there and I'd say, Terry, can I borrow your fingers? She'd say, why, Daddy? Is the devil bugging you? You know, bothering you? I said, yeah, I just want to remind him how impossible this was. And if God did this, then what else can God do? Hallelujah. Sometimes I'd run around the house with her dragging behind me and just saying, don't run off Satan yet. I want you to see this again. You said this was impossible. Look. (laughs) Amen. Point of contact. Are you still here? Number five. Truly. Everybody say truly. Truly Truly expect your breakthrough to happen. Truly expect your breakthrough to happen. Amen. What's the need in going through all these spiritual exercises if you don't expect anything to happen? I, I like to tell people, I don't pray over my meal because it's the religious thing to do, and particularly in restaurants. We pray over our meal in restaurants, but we don't do it because it's a religious thing to do. We do it because we got to eat this stuff. We don't know where their hands have been who prepared it. Amen. I pray for results. I don't pray because it's a religious thing to do. I pray for results. Amen. Hallelujah. I expect God to do something with it. Amen. I do want you to turn to this chapter in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Expect your breakthrough. Expect God to break through for you. Is this okay tonight? Praise God. Hallelujah. I love passing on things that I've learned from great men of God. Hallelujah. 
Uh, Mark chapter 10. And you all know the story. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus. Look at verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timotheus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, now what happens? Faith cometh by hearing. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called to the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good cheer, be of good comfort, rather. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Now, that's an interesting statement. Notice, he cast away his garment first before he went to Jesus. Why? What purpose was that? What, or what purpose did that serve? Because they were required as beggars to wear a certain kind of clothing that identified them as a beggar. And they had a legal right to sit at certain places and beg. When you saw that particular garment on them, it identified them as having a legal right to beg. Amen. But when he heard that Jesus asked for him to come. Notice his expectancy. He refused to wear that beggar's robe when he got in the presence of Jesus. Why? Because he knew if he got in the presence of Jesus, his begging days would be over. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 He was expecting. He was expecting when he got to Jesus that his life was going to be totally changed He was going to have the breakthrough that he was believing for. Not only would he never have to beg again, but thank God he wouldn't be blind anymore. That's expectancy. Amen. And that's exactly what he got. You get exactly what you expect. Somebody asks you, you believing for a breakthrough? Yes, I am. Are you expecting it? Well, we certainly hope so. No, that's not expectancy. Amen. One one of the words uh, in the Greek for expectancy is to stretch the neck out. Isn't that right, John? To stretch the neck out in anticipation. In other words, looking, waiting, expectantly. Everybody stretch your neck out. (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question. Are you looking for a breakthrough? I dare you, when you get home, just walk around the house. Do that every once in a while. They may think you need prayer. Just say, no, I'm expecting my breakthrough, praise God. Amen. Keep them guessing. Hallelujah. Casting away his garment demonstrated that he expected his life to change. Number six, make sure you're believing the right things. That is, Whatever the Bible says and not what other people say. Make sure you're believing the right things. That is, whatever the Bible says and not what people say. 
Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 through 30. Some men came to Jesus, wanted a miracle in their life, and the first thing he asked them was this. Believe ye that I'm able to do this. Believe ye that I'm able to do this. They said, yes, Lord. He said, all right, then be made whole. Amen. God's no respecter of persons. If he healed one, why wouldn't he heal another? Amen. So determine that you're going to believe the right things. Whatever the Bible says and not what people say. Make God's word final authority. Amen. People, people mean well, but people don't always say what the word says. Hallelujah. So the word must be final authority. Number seven, never stop depending on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Never stop depending on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a great example of this is found in the book of Acts, chapter 27, verses 18 through 25. Once again, I'm not going to turn there. But Paul is out on the sea, and uh, uh, the storm is raging. And it says all hope of being saved was lost. And uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Paul, be of good cheer. No one's life will be lost, only the ship. And then he told him to tell the captain. And in obedience, Paul went to the captain. And can you imagine the ship is breaking apart? There's a raging storm, hurricane proportion. And Paul says, I've heard from God. Be of good cheer. Don't you know they wanted to throw him overboard? <laughs> be of good cheer. I've heard from God. No life will be lost. Only the ship. Amen. And they decided to believe what he said. And they reached the other shore. Everyone there on that ship reached the shore safely. Only the ship was lost. Notice how important that breakthrough was in hearing and obeying the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? amen? You never go wrong by listening and obeying the Holy Spirit. Number eight. I thought this was interesting. Don't keep asking when your breakthrough will come. Thank God in advance for it. Don't keep asking when your breakthrough will come. Thank God in advance for it. Thanking God in advance is one of the greatest expressions of faith. When you can thank God before you ever see anything happen. When you can thank God before you even feel any better. Before you can thank God before your bank account is changed. When you can thank God in advance. That's one of the greatest expressions of faith. Can you say amen? So, don't keep asking when your breakthrough will come. Thank God in advance for it. Number nine, stay in faith and refuse to be moved by opposition. Stay in faith and refuse to be moved by opposition. Hebrews chapter 10, cast not away therefore your confidence, for it has great recompense of reward. Amen. Paul said, none of these things move me. So stay in faith and refuse to be moved by your opposition. And then finally, number 10, never stop sowing toward your breakthrough. 
Never stop sowing toward your breakthrough. You know, I learned many years ago from the book of James. In fact, let me, let me show you real quick. You got time? The book of James, very quickly. Look at chapter 2, verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works or corresponding actions, is dead, being alone. Corresponding actions is a better phrase, better definition there, because works messes people up. Even so faith, if it hath not corresponding actions, is dead. Amplified says void of power. Then it gives an example beginning in verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works or corresponding actions when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how that faith wrought with his corresponding actions and by corresponding actions was faith made perfect? Boy, that phrase jumped out at me many years ago. I was reading this and I thought, wow, faith made perfect? How could I get my faith to be made perfect? Oh, man. And I just sat there and meditated on that and meditated on it. And then the Lord said to me, if you'll study your Bible closely, there's never been a major breakthrough in anyone's life without first sowing a seed. I said, well, Lord, wait a minute. That little woman with the issue of blood, it doesn't mention anywhere in there she sowed a seed first. He said, oh, yeah, she did. I said, well, what was her seed? Her life. She laid her life on the line. She laid her life on the altar. I said, well, what about Jairus? Oh, yeah, he sowed a seed. I said, what seed did he sow? It doesn't mention he sowed a seed. His profession and his reputation. He was the ruler of the synagogue. And he was willing to lay that profession down. He was willing to to lay his reputation down at the altar. And that was a seed. And then with Abraham, what was his offering? Isaac. He offered Isaac. Uh, if you offer something, it becomes an offering. <laughs> you see, if, if, if Abraham had just said, I believe I'm going to be the father of faith. I'm confessing because God said I'd be the father of faith. But if he didn't sow his seed along with that confession, his faith would have never been made perfect. And what was his seed? His son. When he offered Isaac on the altar, Isaac became his seed. And God said, okay, your faith has just been made perfect. I like my faith being made perfect. That's the reason why I never ask God for a breakthrough without first sowing a seed. I don't care if I'm believing for healing. I don't care what I'm believing for. I sow a seed. Hallelujah. Thank you for your enthusiasm. How many of you want your faith to be made perfect? 
Well, you just, you just go through the Bible and God will show you in every situation. What about blind Bartimaeus? He sowed a seed. Just like that little woman with the issue of blood. He laid his life on the line. Every major breakthrough in the Bible, there's a seed involved in it somewhere. That little woman who had one cake left and going to eat it and die, she sowed it to the prophet. And she had a major breakthrough. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A lot of people go around saying, I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm confessing. I'm confessing. I'm confessing a breakthrough. And they've never sowed a seed toward it. Amen. And it doesn't always have to be money. Your thoughts are seeds. Your words are seeds. Your actions are seeds. God made us this way. The very first gifts that God gave to man after creating him. Number one, he gave him dominion and authority. Number two, he gave him the blessing. And number three, seed. Amen. He gave him dominion and authority. And then he pronounced his blessing on him. And the next thing he did is brought him every herb bearing seed. And he said, and for you, it shall be meat. And other translation says provision. In other words, Adam, here's how you will have your life sustained for the rest of your life. I give you dominion and authority. I give you the blessing and I give you seed. And if you take your dominion and authority and you learn how to walk in the blessing and you become a seed sower, you will never lack a day in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So God's design from the very beginning was that man have his life sustained by the seeds that he sows. Yeah, but Adam blew it. Yeah, but he started over with Noah. And what did he say to Noah after he got him out of that flood? He blessed Noah just like he did Adam. And then he made this as part of the covenant with Noah. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Is the earth still here? Hallelujah. Well, that's exactly the way God expects us to live. Amen. I could have been a lawyer. I'll rest my case. Give the Lord a shout if you receive it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Stand to your feet if you will, please. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Take those things, and once again, you can, you can have a breakthrough on just one of them. <laughs> but I appreciate the fact that Brother Roberts loved me enough to share that with me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I have in my possession, in my home down in Weatherford, some handwritten notes of Oral Roberts. He heard me preach a sermon that I called things which are seen are subject to change. And then he left me and went to Denver, Colorado and preached my sermon. And he wrote down on a legal pad, a yellow legal pad, three different times. Jerry Savelle said, Jerry Savelle said, and Jerry Savelle said. And Richard found it in his notes. 
that had been put away in boxes. And he's digging around in there, him and Lindsay digging around in there, and they saw that, and they said, we got to get this to Jerry. I just preached what I learned from Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts preached what he learned from me. <laughs> well, as we say in the South, who'd have thunk it? Amen. <laughs> Come on, lift your hands and let's bless the Lord. Father, we thank you for revelation we've received tonight. We thank you that you are so deeply interested in our breakthroughs, so deeply interested in our well-being, spirit, soul, body, financially, socially, and every other way, praise God. And we thank you, Lord, for these biblical principles that once applied, you said the doer of the word shall be blessed in his deed. We fully expect that to take place. I pray over every person in here that are believing for breakthroughs, extraordinary manifestations of your greatness. I join my faith with them, and I'm believing with them. And I'm expecting good reports to come to us soon. Hallelujah. I'm expecting good reports to come to us soon from people right here in this service tonight. In the name of Jesus, and I thank you for it. Come on, let's lift our hands and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I've carried these around with me while I preach tonight. I preached an Oral Roberts sermon. May the anointing of Oral Roberts be on these clothes as pieces of cloth as well. And upon whom they touch, may they experience a healing, a deliverance, a breakthrough, whatever they need. We, we stand on the word where we see, saw the Apostle Paul doing this. And you said, the people in whom they were placed, demons left them, sicknesses and diseases left them. And we're expecting the same thing tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Natasha, will you come up here and let me put this in your hand? Hold your hand out. In the name of Jesus. Lord. When you, when you restored me from that major stroke and I was told that I would never be normal again, after you restored me, you said, and I'm going to cause my anointing to be increased in your right hand, the very hand Satan tried to take from you. Let that anointing flow right now. There it is. Hallelujah. I lay my right hand on these cloths and in the name of Jesus may that anointing flow into every person in whom they are placed in Jesus name now I had Carolyn to write on her cloth that scripture from Acts if you take one of these cloths I suggest that you write that scripture from Acts on it carry it around with you Lay it on somebody that's home in bed, sick, hospital, sick. We've done this. People have carried them around. People have put them 
in the gowns of people in, in hospitals. People have sewn them in clothing of their children and got awesome miracles and extraordinary results. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to lay these on the platform here. They, they're all stuck together. Please just take one so as many people as need them can, can have one. Hallelujah. Tony, could we move this? And if you need one, and just, just one per couple or family, if you will, please, just help yourself in receiving them. Hallelujah. And I'll turn it back to you, Justin. If there's not enough, I have more in my office. And if you if you give us a note and ask ask for one of them, when I get back to my office, I'll lay my hands on the ones that are in the office and we'll send them to you, okay? Praise God. on you, a handkerchief or something on you right now. If you don't, I'd go get a paper towel out of the bathroom or something. I'll lay hands on it right now. So if you have that piece of cloth with you, bring it up here. I'll lay hands on it. Take a Kleenex, whatever. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. May the anointing flow into that cloth. May the anointing May the anointing flow into that cloth right now. In the name of Jesus, may the anointing flow into that cloth right now. May the anointing flow into that cloth right now. May the anointing flow into this cloth right now. May the anointing flow into this cloth right now. May the anointing flow Just running. 
Keep praising God. Keep praising God. Keep praising God. Hallelujah. Every breath that I am able, oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. All my life, all my life, you have been grateful for his goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you. His goodness, his goodness, which is his glory, which is his power and which is his presence. And it's working in us now. It's working in this place and will continue long after we leave this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, you can be seated for a moment. It was a number of years and we had these meetings and, and our biggest, our heart to know our hearts and knowing the Savelle's heart is our biggest thing is really just to sow into you because as ministers, you're sowing all the time. You're giving out all the time. You're pressing in all the time. And, and yet, but yet it was revealed to us and several of you came to us and says, we want an opportunity to sow into Back into to the ministry, we 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 hear what you're receiving, we we hear what you're preaching, and we we hear all those different things. But we want an opportunity to sow back into you. I don't need to teach you about sowing and reaping and anything like that. But but sowing into what you've received over these last two days, 
You know, as a ministry, our heart is we prepare for these meetings, you know, financially throughout the year. And, yes, you, you know, you give part to the, the dues that are taking, you know, to the fee to come and all that. But as for honorariums and those things, we, we, we set those things aside. We, we, we already took care of uh, Brother Keith Moore and what God has placed on Dr. Zell's heart to sow into him and, and being a blessing to him and, and so forth. But we want you to have the opportunity to sow into what you've received over the last two days. Sow into the breakthroughs that you're believing for in your ministries. Hallelujah. So whatever God places on your heart and sowing into this offering... Um, you can sew it. Yeah, there's an envelope in the seat back in front of you. You can um, just, the text to give is 84321. And uh, they may have a thing on the screen there behind me on how to sew. And just put the amount on there and hallelujah. Sewing into what you've received over these last two days. What an amazing time in God's presence we've had. Amen. Hallelujah. It's been so rich. The word has been so rich. The presence of God has been so sweet. Hallelujah. And I believe there is a, there's a, there's going to be an overflow. There is going to be an overflow. When you, when you step into whatever type of ministry you're called to, there, you're going to sense an overflow. As soon as you step in the, in the pulpit, there's going to be an overflow of the anointing you sense here. There's going to be an overflow. There's going to be a healing anointing that's going to flow uh, flow through your ministries this Sunday or the next time you step in the pool. There's going to be a healing anointing. You're going to carry that anointing. I, I declare that. I just sense that in my spirit. There's going to be a healing anointing upon you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Great is so. Oh, Father, we just thank you for what we've received over these last two days and and Father, I, this this is good ground. This, Hallelujah! The words that we receive, Father, has been has been sweet, has been rich, and it's been from you. So will you honor you by our our giving tonight and just of what we've received? And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. Ushers, you can receive the offering. Hallelujah. If you were uh, ordained or licensed tonight, uh, if you come up right after the service, uh, some of you may have already received your certificate. Some of you that were prayed for, you have already received your certificate. It was just t- this w- this year was the first year you were able to get here, and so. But if you if you this is your first time and you haven't received your certificate, uh, we will have those up here immediately after service. All you also if you purchase the thumb drives, you can get those now immediately after the uh, the service. I encourage you to do that. Also, um, if you did get ordained as well, um, on our website, which is not open to the public because Heritage of Faith Ministerial Association is not something we advertise. So how you get to it is heritageoffaith.com backslash HFMA. So that anytime you need to know anything about the Ministerial Association, heritageoffaith.com backslash HFMA. You'll be able to go in there and watch all the services on there. You can renew on there. We'll also put on pictures as well. The pictures that were taken tonight that our photographer took tonight, those pictures will be on there. So you can download those and, um, and, and make those available for you as well. And you can also go back to past years and listen to those messages as well. Also, don't forget, if you're around Sunday morning, um, I'll be ministering 9 o'clock service, and Dr. Savell will be in the 11 o'clock service as he continues to minister the word that he has received for 2020. And also, I want to just say how grateful, 
you know, we are on behalf of the Savelles and Annette and myself, how grateful we are for the staff here, the staff of JSMI, all the ministry of helps of Heritage of Faith, also for Go Ministries. Do you give a hand of applause to all those that made this event uh, a success? You know, we cannot do this without many hands making it possible. Thank Rick and, and Nikki and Stephanie and Joseph and just all the different things to, to, to make this go off effectively. And, and Dr. Savell, Ms. Carolyn, thank you for your heart for ministers. Amen. Amen. You know, he, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 You know, uh, you are, whether you realize it or not, you are legacy. You are legacy. And, and just as his, his top five priorities in a ministry, you realize you're one of them. Amen. Amen. Yeah, what a rich time we've had. Uh, next year, you mark your calendars. Uh, as of right now, it's set for uh, November 4th and 5th of next year, 2020, November 4th and 5th. And so that's uh, what he has already placed on his on his schedule. And so I'll go ahead and mark your calendar. So as of right now, unless you already have something planned, there's no excuse, right? <laughs> but November 4th and 5th next year. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And after we dismiss here, we're going to go next door. We have sandwiches and fruit trays and things prepared for everyone. So I encourage you to come next door. So, Father, we just thank you for this time and your presence that we've had. We go in this presence. Thank you, Father. We ask you to bless our fellowship time and bless the food, Father, to our bodies. We receive with thanksgiving. We thank you for strength. We thank you for your plans and purposes being filled in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. We'll see you next door.